Hey, everybody. Welcome to Being Human is Weird. Today, we are so excited <gasps> because we have the brilliant, the amazing, oh, so many good words to describe this human being, Maggie Whistler with us. She is a nutrition and mindset coach. She does consulting for a naturopathic doctor. She has her Master of Science in Nutrition for Wellness from Bastyr University, very, very prestigious university, <laughs> you guys. And she's an experienced hormone balance coach who has taught Abby and I quite a bit. So welcome, Maggie. We are so excited to have you. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Carrie and Abby. I'm so excited to be here. I love the podcast. I'm a human and I'm weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, you with your coaching and teaching us about hormones have made us less weird and more uh, pleasurable to be around. <laughs> yes. Yes. Agreed. And before we really jump into today's episode, you men out there might be thinking, this is probably an episode I can skip because who cares about hormones, right? That only affects women. And Maggie puts it so beautifully. So I'm going to put this first question to you, Maggie, why is this information important for all human beings? Yes. So while males do not have a menstrual cycle, it's more often than not that they are interacting with somebody who does. So whether that's somebody that you work with, a coworker, a partner, a friend, you are interacting with people that menstruate. And it's important to have an understanding so that you can respect one another and communicate about it. Love that. And it's so true in every aspect that the better we can understand each other, just the better world we're going to create, I think. So men, please don't dodge out of this episode. So Maggie, without getting too graphic, just in case there are still men hanging on to this episode, what is a period and why do women have one? So a period is essentially the shedding of the endometrial lining, which is the inner uterus. And whenever an ovum, which is another word for an egg, is not fertilized by a sperm and it doesn't attach to the uterine lining to go on to create a human, uh, that's when we shed that lining. And so that is the period. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> kind of what we're dealing with. Yeah. Your period is just the portion of your whole cycle in which you're bleeding. So a so lot what, going on. Yeah. <laughs> Break down for us what the average, because obviously we're all different here, but the average sort of monthly cycle looks like for a menstruating person. Yeah. So if we're talking about like just the average, we would look at a 28 day cycle. Some people are 25 days, some people are 30 three days. But for the purposes of explaining it, let's just say your cycle is 28 days. The first day of the cycle is day one of your period. Most people have a bleed around four to seven days. Once the bleeding is done, then we move on to the follicular phase around day seven to up until ovulation. So the middle of the cycle, day 14, we have the follicular phase and what's going on is we have a follicle inside of the ovaries and the egg 
there are several of them that start to get bigger and then one of them takes over and that's going to be the egg that is released that month. So that one's growing as you're approaching ovulation. And then about the middle of the way through day 14-ish is when the egg is released, you ovulate for that month. Once the egg is released, that follicle inside dies. But as it sort of disintegrates, it releases progesterone. So progesterone starts to rise. This is known as your luteal phase. If you are not pregnant, then progesterone will start to drop about day 21. Around day 28 will be the end of that cycle, which begins again when you get your first, when you get your period. Wow. I just learned more than all of the health classes combined. My body does what everyone. No wonder I'm out in outer space 99% of the time. I only get two days of freedom from myself. You mentioned the luteal phase when progesterone drops around day 20. Is that when we experience or can expect to experience PMS symptoms? And what does that look like? Yeah. So the entire second half of the cycle is the luteal phase. So after ovulation around day 14, progesterone starts to rise. And then when it senses, your body senses, okay, there isn't a pregnancy here, that's when it drops. So just wanted to clarify, it's like the second half of luteal is when it starts to drop. Estrogen is also dropping during the second half of luteal. And the way that I like to think about it is when hormones are dropping in the cycle, so is our energy a bit, so is our mood and so is our immune system. Mm. So that can definitely contribute to PMS because as those hormones are dropping and getting lower, uh, we have less energy. Okay. Yeah. So two out of the four weeks of every month, <laughs> we can expect to not feel great. Why do we <laughs> complain? What are we whining about? It's not quite two weeks, right? Because it's a, it's a gradual drop over that time period, okay. right? When you get your period, your hormones are at the lowest level. And at the period, that's when we make that switch and they start to go back up. Everyone's different, but around day two, you can start to experience a little bit more energy as that shifts back in the upward direction. Just crying <laughs> because I'm within 21 days of my period. I'm emotional. <laughs> Knowing that this is a normal cycle. What would you say is possible cause for alarm knowing that you are not an MD for an abnormal cycle or PMS symptoms? What would you say is out of the ordinary or extreme? Some symptoms that you can expect on a monthly basis if you are cycling on a monthly basis. Definitely some fatigue, some light cramping, but whenever it gets extreme, doubled down and you can't do anything, like an extreme level of pain is a sign that there's an imbalance in your body. That is obviously subjective to how well you know your body and you're paying attention to your body. So I'm going to let that be at each of our listeners' judgment right now. Another question that we got when Abby and I reached out to our audience on social medias um, was, what is a good way to start alleviating some of that PMS or gaining more normalcy with our cycle overall? Yeah, it just depends. Like if you are not cycling regularly and you're not on any sort of 
hormonal birth control and you are in your fertile years and like you should be cycling, a good intervention is seed cycling. So that's taking flaxseed and pumpkin seed, the first half of the cycle, grind it up and about a tablespoon of each each day. And then that second half of your cycle is sesame and sunflower seeds. And if you're not currently cycling, you can kind of just pick a day and start that, or you can follow the moon. A lot of people like to follow the moon cycle um, just to kind of teach your body that cycle. There's certain nutrients in each of those ingredients that help support the natural fluctuations of hormones. Definitely recommend partnering with someone who has knowledge around this, whether that's a nutritionist, um, a health coach that is specific to women's hormone balance, or an integrative practitioner, naturopathic physician. They have a lot of knowledge in you know getting your lab work done and analyzing that and being able to specifically pinpoint what's going on for you individually. Outside of that, there are, I would call them four main pillars of hormone balance blood sugar balance, liver detox, gut health, and stress, which stress kind of connects to all three of those. So when you're talking about getting to the root cause, I would assume that one of the first steps might be becoming aware of what your cycle is and starting that tracking of the cycle in a lot of ways. And once you start tracking and understanding your specific cycle more, should we, could we be cycling with more nutrition and movement around each one of these phases that you're telling us about? Yeah, I would definitely recommend tracking. Like your body is the best resource when it comes to hormone health. I think overall, when you zoom out, it's more important. Like the daily habits are a little bit more important, but it can be a great way to honor your body's natural cycle. I like the message of listening to your body and doing what feels right versus this is what this person on Instagram is telling me to do. I want to do a quick plug for our bonus episode, which is going to be probably more for women, but maybe not. Coming off of birth control, hormonal birth control. So anyway, tune in everybody to that bonus episode that we'll have coming out today as well. And speaking of the hormonal birth control, what are noticeable hormone imbalances that people could identify or should they go to a doctor if they have any kind of, you know, root cause question? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely partner with a healthcare team. Um, but some things that you might notice in your body that would be a good indicator to seek out care uh, would be you know, skin issues, acne, rosacea, psoriasis. If you have a missing period, you know, three to six months, that's amenorrhea. If you have blood sugar dysregulation, which will show up as like really irritable mood swings that are kind of not connected to your cycle in any way, headaches, migraines, if your gut health seems off in any way. So that could be constipation, diarrhea, gas, bloating, fatigue, super low energy, like consistently 
uh, that can be a good indicator. Wow. So hormones aren't important at all. <laughs> um, I, you're listing everything. And I was like, uh, Maggie, I think I'm broken. <laughs> I caught my everything. Check, 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 check. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. A lot of people in today's world, like do have some sort of imbalance. I don't know too many of my friends, even in the health space that are like perfectly balanced and feel, wake up with energy every single day. Like We were just talking about all of the ways that our hormones disrupt our lives. And I got a great question from one of my girlfriends earlier this week. She brought up endocrine disruptors. Are there things that should absolutely be avoided? Is this just something that the internet made up and isn't backed by science? So I think it'd be helpful to define endocrine disruptors because that's a big word that maybe not, if you haven't heard of it before, you're like, what the heck? They are toxic compounds that can affect our body over time. Our bodies are definitely resilient and they will detox these molecules, but we want to make a conscious effort to reduce and eliminate them because they do affect hormone balance and our overall health. So plastic water bottles on the topic of water filtration and purification system. Are you saying there's endocrine disruptors in Tap water, possibly? Yes. Let me just take a swig of mine real quick. (laughs) So if you're storing hot foods in plastic Tupperware and or reheating it in plastic, that can leach into the food. Conventional produce. Not everybody has access to organic produce or a farmer's market. If you do, and that is within your means, like definitely go for organic fruits and vegetables and organic grass-fed meats when possible. We don't want to add stress by mm-hmm. pinpointing all of these potentially toxic things because as we start to look around, they're kind of everywhere. <laughs> they're in our makeup. They're in our um, beauty products. They're in medications. So it's definitely important to take a deep breath because it can feel really overwhelming when we're talking about endocrine disruptors, choose one area that you're going to start with. Do some research, find out, you know, non-toxic alternatives and just go from there. It can feel overwhelming and stressful when we start to recognize that these toxins are in a lot of places. Like I said earlier, our bodies are resilient. Like they will work to get rid of them as efficiently as possible. And then when we start to add in that intention around the choices that we make, we can better support our body in its own detoxing process. If people want to learn more after they've taken several deep breaths um, (laughs) on anything you've spoken to today, do you have any resources you recommend on people just educating themselves more on this topic in general? I know that I started with books I just read a lot about this, and so some books that I would recommend reading, Beyond the Pill by Dr. Jolene Brighton, The Period Repair Manual by Dr. Laura Brighton. Uh, Those are two really good ones. Oh, and Woman Code by Alyssa Beatty. She's kind of, I guess, the pioneer of syncing up your lifestyle with your cycle. I want to start tracking and monitoring a little bit better. I do track my cycle, but I think after speaking with you, I'm realizing how much hormones are playing into my life daily, not just that week that it feels endless. 
every month. Um, <laughs> so my biggest takeaway from this is that I want to be a little bit more in tune with how my hormones are affecting me on a daily basis. I'm similar to you, Carrie. I track just when my period's going to be and just really what week of the month am I going to be severely inconvenienced to the point that I want to rip my hair out. But I don't track any monthly symptoms that I experience leading up to that. I just assume that when I'm crabby, it's PMS. So I check my app and it could be 10 days before, it could be two days before, it could be 15 days before. Um, So I think just bringing that awareness in, like we talk about a lot and tracking what am I experiencing other than just the week of hell that I have every month? Honor, respect, and trust your body. It knows a lot more than we give it credit. Tracking, creating awareness. If you are not blocking the signals with hormonal birth control, it's your body is a great resource. Please stay tuned. Like Abby said, we have a bonus episode coming up that was also released today that is all about hormonal birth control. So if that resonates with you, this will be an episode you don't want to miss. And we love you. Bye. 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 If you are with us and believing being human is weird, then like, subscribe, share, all of those things that the kids are doing, and be sure to follow us on Instagram at beinghumanisweird. That's where we're going to be sharing resources, inspiration, and news about our podcast. And we would love to hear from you, so slide right into our DMs with questions, comments, and what you'd like to hear more of. And thank you so much for listening, weirdos. 